Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Small doses. We're talking that shit. Small doses. And keeping it real. Small doses. With me and Nancy. It's so funky. What up, what up, what up? Welcome to another episode of Small Doses. I know that we have been in a very political state of mind as of late because we've had no choice but to be. Um, But I wanted to make sure that we continue to be flexible and, you know, versatile because the truth is that we aren't even, even in the political spaces and places that we have to be in, like there's still so many other parts of our humanity that are taking place, which is why like, you know, you read like the diary of Anne Frank and she's like literally in hiding in the Holocaust, but like has a crush, you know, that's why you, you see, you know, stories of people like finding love in the midst of revolution and in wartime, et cetera, because there's just certain parts of our humanity that, you know, still remain active even in the most stressful of times, et cetera, et cetera. And um, in, in this episode, I want to speak to, you know, how we show up for our partners in stressful times, in, you know, just not necessarily... And I don't, I don't necessarily mean like in um, conflict with each other, but in the times when your partner is in place in spaces that aren't necessarily about you or affecting you, but are affecting them, how do you show up for them? And how do you speak to how they show up for you? I think that unless you've actually like watched a healthy relationship in action, for a lot of us, we don't actually have a frame of role, a frame of context about how this actually works, particularly also because like gender roles get in the way and ego gets in the way and um, trauma, ooh, trauma, mm. trauma stay getting in the way. And so I wanted to talk about this today because I feel like more and more we are, I mean, we're, we are in these like crisis situations and I think especially for folks who are, you know, getting older and stuff, you know, we start seeing parents and health issues and, you know, dealing with kids and um, it more and more becomes the reality of if I'm in a relationship with somebody, I'm still an individual, but I do have to show up for that person based on that person in a way that doesn't make me feel like I am losing my individuality. And I think there's a lot to unpack (laughs) in that regard. So that is what we're getting into this week on Small Doses. Hope you're liking it. If you are, please make sure that you subscribe. If you're watching this on YouTube, please make sure you subscribe, leave a kind comment, share, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, It's time to get into a gem drop-in. Jam dropping, jam dropping, jam dropping. We're dropping on these hoes. (sighs) So when we look at the concept of showing up, I feel like we have to also look at the concept of solution finding. And the reason why it's interesting to look at the differences in these two is because I think for a lot of people, they don't realize that one is not the same as the other. 
And what I mean by that is that finding the solution isn't always necessarily the only purpose in showing up. Showing up on a basic level is simply being present for your partner in the space that they are in. And that's not always the easiest thing for everybody. Okay, because so many people feel like if you're in that space and I'm over here and that's not my space, then I don't know how to like come into that space with you without feeling like I'm being swallowed up by you with or without feeling like I'm losing me. I mean, I remember I was dating somebody and they were like, you know, I love you, but I can't be with you because, you know, I really need to be obsessed with myself and I can't lose myself in you. And I was just like, why would you have to lose yourself in me in order to be with me? But I also realized that so many folks, particularly men, I feel, just don't really know how to emotionally show up without feeling like they are succumbing to things that they would not have had to deal with if you weren't there. Now, then we go to solution finding. Solution finding, I think, is a lot easier for folks, particularly for men, because it's more about pragmatism and less about connection. And it's simply the idea of, okay, let me apply logic and rationale to the situation that's going on. And it also centers you for what it's worth. If you're talking about solution finding, it doesn't mean that you're not caring about the other person. Of course you're caring about the other person, but it gives you a purpose that is less about you connecting with the other person and more about you being in control of yourself. And I think that's a lot easier for people to do. I do. Because when it comes to actually showing up, showing up means that it's not always going to be on your terms. And I think that's what really fucks with people. Showing up for somebody really means how do you show up for them in a way that helps actually, that actually helps them. And then it's like, okay, well, what is the help that they actually need? So I can tell you, like, I've had a situation where it's like, okay, something is going on that caused me to be scared. Okay. And my partner didn't really at first realize like, oh, my job right now is not to remove the thing that scared her. My job right now, or, or, or handle or deal with the thing that's scaring her, my job right now is to make her not feel alone in her feelings. And that doesn't mean that he is supposed to be scared too. But it's like, what is the language that helps people not feel alone in their feelings? And the first thing is, how do you feel, right? And then the second thing is, how do we, what do we, what can we do so that you don't feel that way? And that second thing is the thing that I think a lot of people forget because They might already be jumping to that, but not feeling the need to verbalize it. They're already jumping to, okay, well, I'm going to solve this. I'm going to find the solution. But in the middle of you doing that, that person who's like scared is still scared. They're still scared. And they're by themselves in it now because you've moved on to finding solution land. I'm finding solutions. I'm off to the sea. Yeah, I'm still in the fucking boat. I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm in a boat. By myself. And nobody want to feel that way. And, and considering b- damn near everybody got these abandonment issues, it's really difficult to 
be able to show up for somebody if you can't understand that showing up is more emotional and solution is more logical. Once you understand that showing up is emotional, then you're able to say, you can actually connect on a whole other vibration and that makes you actually so much more useful and purposeful because what that also does is it can help the person who's in the scenario can help your partner become an actual factor in their own solution finding in a way that they may not have been because they were actually in an emotional place that they were succumbing to. Y'all, I'm telling you. And then it becomes, well, how do I communicate this to my partner? How do I let them know I don't like the way you're showing up for me? Let me tell you. So I had a partner who was actually working with somebody that I knew. And the person that they were working with would like always be like, oh, like shout out to Amanda. Say hi to Amanda. Da, da, da. Like if they were on FaceTime about something, like they would always be like, hey, Amanda, what's up? Blah, 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 blah. And I knew that that person, though, was like playing my partner. They were playing them. And I felt like they weren't really like showing up the way they needed to. And so I would have like my little slick shit that I would say. And I'd be like, now, you know, you're supposed to da, 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 or, you know, how y'all not blah, 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 blah. And my partner at the time was like, you know, I don't like when you do that. And I was like, what I do what? He was like, you know, I just don't like how you like be sliding in like slick shit. Like, I don't need you to advocate for me like that. Like, I don't need you to say that. And I got so offended. And I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to do my best to, to be um, a present partner and to show up for you. And he was like, yeah, but that, that version of showing up for me doesn't actually help me. It actually creates more anxiety for me. And I was like, that's crazy. I don't know how you would say that. Well, I was completely wrong. And that was fucked up of me. Because the basic truth is that you get to determine how people advocate for you. You get to say how you want people to show up for you. Now, it's on that other person to say, like, okay, that just doesn't work for me or I can't really, like, get into it that way. If, it is gonna, if it's something that's going to demean them or that's going to put them in danger or something that's going to, you know, diminish their integrity. But if it's not, what is, what is your... <laughs> um. What's your argument? What's the conflict? The conflict is your ego. That's, that's the conflict. It's your ego. And so often our ego is in the way of our actual emotional connection with the person. And when we're looking at the difference between showing up and actually finding solutions, we realize that it's our ego that has us much more interested in finding solutions so we can be, you know, the victor in a very like clear cut way than being the supporter. When I saw people like really talking about how Will Smith had really defended Jada because he went up there and he smacked Chris Rock, I was like, wow, a lot of y'all are still looking at your partners as like the prince slaying the dragon. When to me, the real support, the real showing up for Jada would have been Connecting with her on how she's feeling versus going up to the person that you feel is the aggressor and now making it about you. But I realized that, you know, maybe that's my own unique take. But I, I then I talked to other people and they were like, nope, you're not alone in that. Because I am someone who is really at this point focused on, okay, how do we have more emotional intelligence versus all of this like 
physical violence, et cetera, how do we actually find ourselves in a more connected fashion with our partners than connecting to the actual hubbub that's going on outside? Because when we are connected, then we can be more effective. It's a practice. It's a practice. And I think a lot of us also are so used to like, we, we, we consider our partners somewhat like a parent that we think they're going to like go to the school and talk to the teacher like a parent would. And it's like, that's not what I, that's not what you're here for. So many of the, so many of us are really just looking for someone to help us be more stable and finding our own solutions, not looking for someone to find the solution. And I think that that's really what the key is in identifying, okay, if it's me and you, I'm still an individual. I got this, but I just don't want to have to go get this by myself. And that's the showing up part. But I want to talk to y'all about what you feel is your questions, et cetera, on showing up. We haven't had a DMT section in a long time. And it's time. It's time for me to hear from y'all with your DMTs. So let's do it. DMT. We're serving it. First question. How do you support or show up for your partner who battles depression? You know, I think that when it comes to like actual clinical mental health, like that is such a nuanced conversation that ends up being not only one with your partner, but with their health, with their um, healthcare provider, right? Because everyone goes through depression differently. Like I was saying how, well, I have said before, I'll talk about it later, but like how like I had a depressive moment where a friend like came over and I just wanted them to like just be with me in the space. And they just that like that was I maybe maybe that was like too intimate for them or maybe that was just like not. Maybe they had it in their mind, like what they were coming over to do and that just didn't fit it. So they just did what they wanted to do. But like it was absolutely like not OK. Um, you know, I think depression as it relates to someone who is actually clinically depressed is one thing. And then there is depression for people who go through like depressive episodes, you know, as it relates to the seasons, depressive episodes as it relates to triggers, etc. And I think that the best version of showing up is really trying your best to understand their cycles and understand their um, their solutions. Because when you're in a depressive state, what happens is the things that normally make you feel good, you are kind of in an irrational state and those things feel almost like impossible to achieve. So like I can tell you like music makes me feel good, period. Like a song can change my mood. But when I would be in a depressive state it would feel like insurmountable for me to play a song that would put me in a good place. And almost as if like there was a masochism that was keeping me in the depression, even though I knew there were things that could get me out of it. And I remember being in that state during the pandemic and, um, 
I've talked about this before, but listening to this podcast by this wonderfully delightful person, Jessica Laniedo, who is a psychic and an astrologist, and my homegirl had sent me her podcast because in this particular episode, like it was just speaking to my homegirl in like a very poignant way. So she just sent it to me to check it out. And in that episode, she was saying, do not abandon yourself. Do not abandon yourself. And that to me is what happens in depression. You abandon yourself. Like you succumb to the weight of the feelings that are no longer in your control. If it's physically burdensome, like it actually like aches, it hurts. And you're just stuck in the upside down. And so I think in showing up for your partner, it's you being able to know like what are the things that actually get them out of that and then doing your best effort to present those things at at a time when they may not be able to receive them or sorry, at a time when they may not be able to provide them for themselves. Um, The other way you can show up for your partner who is depressed is to know that it's not about you, which is very hard for some people. You know, because you're in, you're, you're, you're connected. My mom used to think that my depressive modes were about her. And it's like, this thing got shit to do with you. Like, this is just something I'm, uh, hopefully is a phase, you know, but is, but is something that's in me. And it's not a reflection of your parenting. It's not a reflection of you <laughs> being here or whatever. Like, it's just, it's a thing that it's in, that's a part of my experience and my existence. And you know, when you make it about you, you're now putting that other per- that depressed person in another place of burden than they already have. Because when you're depressed, you also don't want to burden anybody with your depression. That's the other thing. You feel bad about being depressed because you know nobody likes a negative Nancy, a Debbie Diana. So you keep it to yourself. And that shit ends up, you know, being more depressing because now it's more alone. So I think that's another way for you to show up for your partner is by letting them know that you know that you this is not about you and you just letting them get through their process. And I am not going to say that that's an easy thing. It is not. But they say there is something there is someone for everybody. And I truly believe that. There is someone for everybody. And there are people who are just, it's the same way that like, there are just people who are built for animal rescue. They are just cut a certain way. Like I would never be able to do animal rescue. I'm, my emotions, the way they're set up, oh my God. I'd have, I'd I'd own every cat. I'd have every cat. I'd have a fucking catuary. That's a sanctuary of cats. Next question. How do you navigate better showing up for your partner or in other interpersonal relationships when you feel codependency has played a huge role in making showing up authentically more challenging? Like feeling stuck between wanting to be there but sh- and or showing up and needing personal space. So first of all, let's break down codependency. So codependency is this, I, this uh, basically the concept that your your intimacy and your relationships is based on you being needed. You want to be needed. You want to be wanted based on what you're providing um, versus what connection takes place. And so the codependency is that if the person, 
with your with doesn't like constantly kind of have a need for your purpose, like you start to feel like you don't have value in the relationship. So I can, I can tell you like I'm a codependent and I've had to work really hard. I continue to work hard not to let codependency show up in my relationship because, um, for a long time, like I just thought that my value in a relationship was based on like my resources that I can bring, not my person, but my resources. That's why like when we see this like narrative that about when we see the narrative that, oh, like if men don't feel needed by a woman, then they're not going to want to be in the relationship. That's a codependent narrative that is being continuously perpetuated. Right. Like this idea that if you all don't need each other, that it's not a valuable relationship. I completely debunk that. And I really am rebuking that. And I think it's, I think want is far more valuable because codependency makes it to where it's not an authentic bond. It's, it's more of a bond based on concepts versus based on actual emotions. So in this question, how do you navigate better showing up for your partner and other interpersonal relationships when you feel codependency has played a huge role in making showing up authentically more challenging? I mean, I think that you continue to check yourself about why you're showing up. You have to be the one holding yourself accountable. You have to be the one always doing the checklist, running down, am I here for real? Or am I here because... I want them to like me for being here. Do I genuinely want to be here? Because the thing is, is that if you don't genuinely want to be there, then it's like, well, why don't you genuinely want to be there? What's that about? What's that about? Because, you know, the other part of the question was like feeling stuck between wanting to be there, but then needing personal space. And it's like, here's the thing. Being there and showing up and needing personal space um, are two... I think they're two different things. Like you can show up for somebody and still want time to yourself. Like that is absolutely not unreasonable. And I think when people make that unreasonable, they are actually fostering a codependent relationship because that's not why, like why, why can't somebody have time by themselves while still showing up? I mean, I will tell you this, like I've had to um, absolutely learn that like, if someone leaves and they want to come back, they're going to come back. Them leaving is not a sign of them not wanting to be with you. It's a sign of them wanting to go be with themselves. And as long as there's a genuine effort being made that isn't about like, I need to spend all my time by myself. Cause I remember I had a nigga I was seeing and he was like, you know, I'm a loner. And I remember I went on vacation. I didn't go on vacation. Actually, I had a job. I had to go to like Sacramento for like three days or something. And this is when I lived in New York. And so I was on the phone with him and I'm like in this room. It was like, there was nothing to do in Sacramento. Like it was just a very like depressing ass kind of like, um, just like not depressing is not the word, but it was just a very, just like bland ass trip. And he was on the phone with me and he was like, I mean, it feels like you're still here. And I was like, is that a bad thing? And he was like, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I thought I was going to get a break. And I was like, oh, wow, a break. I didn't know you needed a break. Yee. And that was, that was trippy. But then fast forward, when you're, in, when you're with someone who like actually likes you, they're like, oh, you know, I'm just going to go do this thing for myself and that doesn't mean that I am removing my connection from you. But there's also something beautiful in being able to verbalize that to somebody. And that is also showing up. 
It is. Because you're affirming. And you're not goading them. You're not like, you know, could, you're not like coddling them. You're just affirming. Yeah, like, I'm with you. I just want to go do this thing by myself so I can have some time by myself. I'll be back. I'll be back. Shit. I'll be back and then actually coming back. That's like power. <laughs> Powerful. And it really does, I think, under it, it really does start to undo the work that codependency does in creating these false senses of expectations that people have for other people. That if you really were with me, then you would always be with me and you would never, you know, accept. it's like, I mean, I remember like when we first got together, I was like, not first got together, but I remember after a couple months of being together, I was like, you know, we've never even spent 24 hours together. And my partner was like, well, I don't understand why we're counting the hours. Da, da, da. And I was just like, because it just feels weird to me that you like make an effort to not let that happen as if if you let that happen, you'll never have time by yourself again. <laughs> Like, so that was the reverse, right? Where it was like, I'm actually willing, I'm open, I understand that you need time by yourself, but also it's like, why are you making such an effort to not, like, spend time completely with me as if that, that's going to go away? It's not going to go away. I do understand that. I do understand that. But you making the concerted effort to, like, always disrupt is, like, weird. And it's makes me feel like you think I'm a codependent in a way that I'm actively working not to be. So like, help me help us. <laughs> Next question. What can I do as a person who is avoidant in quelling my reflexes to want to run away when intimacy gets scary? Let me take a sip of water for that. I mean, I'm always going to start with self-exploration and asking yourself, even in the moment, like, why do I want to run it? Why do I want to run it? Why do I want to run away right now? And once you have that answer, then you have to use rationale. You have to, like, put emotions that are not driven by rationale. You got to put those to the side and you got to just use your rational thought of like, okay, why do I want to raise? So I'll, I'll, I'll give my, use myself for an example. You know, I found myself in arguments before where I'm just like, I don't like this. I don't like this and I don't want this. And so, you know, we should break up. That's the instinct. So then I'll ask myself, well, why, why do you want to break up? And then when I do that examination, it's typically based on momentary things, not like the comprehensive things. So then you might have a scenario where it's more so like not about an argument, but the intimacy of, oh, you like want me to show up in this moment right now and I am uncomfortable, so I'm going to dip off, which of course then creates like a whole very painful emotional situation for someone else because they are looking to you to be supportive in that space and you're imagining them in that space. So then again, you have to ask yourself, why, why is this intimacy so uncomfortable for me? And when you ask yourself that question, nine times out of 10, it's going to have something to do with because 
it makes me feel like dot, dot, dot. The thing about it, though, is that that thing making you feel that way is not that person. That's some shit that happened at another time in another place. And so I feel like the work that has to get done is about the disassociating of those two things. And in that moment, you have to disassociate that. You have to say, this is this person now, not that person then. How do I show up for this person now, knowing what I know about this person now and not applying that person then to this person now? That's the rewiring. That's the rewiring we're doing. We are rewiring the way our child brain responded to things with the context of our adult experience. That's wisdom. So, you know, this whole like showing up for your partner thing, of course, we're talking about it in the context of like, let's say your partner's going through a trauma. Let's say they're going through a death in the family. Let's say they're going through a health issue, et cetera. But another time that you end up needing to show up for your partner can be in an argument. And you're like, Amanda, what are you talking about? Why would I need to show up for my partner if we're in an argument? Because at the end of the day, if y'all are together, then the goal is for this argument to end. And I think a lot of times we get frustrated because we're like, well, why do I have to like do the emotional labor of understanding your feelings more than you? But I will say that when both parties are doing that, <laughs> I feel like it's a whole different it's a whole different situation because it's not about I'm try I got to understand your feelings more than you. It comes more so from like what I say is curiosity as compassion. And it becomes more of an interaction of I'm trying to understand where you're coming from versus I'm trying to prove to you where I'm coming from. And that is a version of showing up for your partner. I've had a scenario where me and my partner, like we were in this argument and this argument was like a real, like my feelings are hurt argument. Okay. And it had gotten us to a place where we were just kind of at an impasse because he wasn't hearing why my feelings were hurt because by this point in me expressing to him how he had hurt my feelings, I had hurt his feelings. So now it's just hurt feelings time. Everybody got hurt feelings. You, 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 we all got hurt feelings. We're hurting feelings. So everybody got hurt feelings. Now, like, there's trauma that's triggered. You know, it's all the things. And then, you know, you you that's where the downward spiral goes, and you start to snowball. And and that's where, if once you trigger abandonment issues, now everybody's just trying to figure out, you know, how to save themselves, not how to save the relationship. And that's when the whole showing up for your partner in the relationship, I mean, showing, for, showing up for your partner in the argument comes in because you then have to fight the flight and show up for your partner versus doing the thing that you are used to doing to protect yourself, which is actually not a healthy thing. Don't get me wrong. There are things we do to protect ourselves that are actually healthy. But the flight that we have based on feeling like we have been... Um, abandoned or feeling like we have been disrupted or di sorry, feeling that we have been dismissed, et cetera, that flight doesn't always, it, it typically doesn't serve us because in the flight, you're not even truly being able to address 
the real problem. And you don't really want to leave. You just are having this chemical reaction that says, this doesn't feel good, so I got to go. Versus standing in it and finding the language. Now, you have to know when you're with somebody that you can actually do that with or when you're spinning your wheels. And that's like a real thing too, right? Because with a narcissist, like that's just, you're going to be spinning your wheels. But you've, if you've been with somebody, you know, like there are ways out of arguments. It's just how do you find it? And nine times out of 10, you find it when you get out of your head and try to step into the other person's shoes or welcome them into inviting you into their shoes. So we're in this argument. Our feelings are all hurt, blah, 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 blah. And we end up both taking a nap. <laughs> of course, sleep was a big part of this argument, but we end up both taking a nap. And the thing was that the argument had been brewing, okay? Like there had been like a series of little like that had just started to like get bigger and bigger and bigger. And in that, we decide, you know that we're just going to take things to the head. And that's how things go, right? This, it's just beep, 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 and now it explodes. So we take this nap. And I wake up out the nap. And I'm like, you know what? I need to figure out, instead of me trying to get him to see my point of view, I need to figure out how to get him to see himself differently in this situation. Ooh, judo, Jedi, judo, Jedi, judo, Jedi. Just a side note. I had a therapist tell me one time, she was like, listen, you're always going to be the smarter person in a relationship. And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, emotionally. She was like, because at the end of the day, like women, we, we have had to navigate our feelings so much more than men have had to navigate them. Like society just simply has not encouraged or enforced that men navigate their feelings. Whereas women, like we we have to because so many men are not paying any fucking attention to our feelings that we have to learn to manage them ourselves. So she was like, in that regard, you end up being more emotionally intelligent than your partners. And so you end up being, you know, the ones who are driving that ship. And I was like, fuck. Now what I have learned though, is that if you're with a partner who's willing, they will also want to learn how to drive that ship. But it's not going to be in the same way as you a lot of times. It's going to be in a different fashion, in a different language. So when I say like I had to figure out how to get him to see himself in this scenario versus just trying to see my point of view, I had to then employ um, some tools that he had actually taught me. And so when we do the um, script, I'm going to talk about like this book that I had gotten us, this um, workbook. But I had gotten us these workbooks that are like about, it's called like the Dialectical Behavior Therapy Skills Workbook. And I had gotten them for both of us and we had started doing them together and then I kind of fell off. But he ended up like, he like kept doing it. And he started like teaching me about some of the skills and stuff that they were teaching in the workbook around emotions and around managing emotions, around finding new language for describing emotions, right? Because so many of us just lack the language to describe our emotions, which also makes it very difficult for us to show up for our partner because we can't even show up for ourselves. And so it makes it so much easier when you actually have this much more versatile lexicon to apply to your very versatile spectrum of feelings. It also like was just showing him just like these other ways of identifying 
the level of his feelings, not just with language, but with logic. So like, I remember there was one thing where he was telling me that it like asks you, okay, if you get mad at something, ask yourself first, what are you, what is your level of danger? Because the anger nine times out of 10 is a reaction that is really actually rooted in fear. So what is your level of danger? And so like on a, on a scale of one to 10, and then ask yourself, what is your level of anger? And if those two numbers don't align, then you know that you are having a disparate reaction than necessary. Mind blown. I just, I just feel like so many of us like can't even consider like that type of like level of practicality in terms of managing ourselves. But this workbook like really helped like just illuminate that. And so he would be telling me these things and showing me these things. And I was just listening to them and, and taking it in. And you know what? I will say full force. Like I'm corny for not continuing to like get into the depths of the notebook as much as he did of the workbook. Sorry, as much as he did. So that's my, and we've talked about this. So don't think I'm just bringing it to the podcast. We've talked about this, but like, that's, that's part of my task is to like get, get in the weeds as well. In my defense, though, I've had a significant amount of therapy. And again, like my therapist said, I'm a woman, so I'm already ahead in the emotional uh, in the emotional intelligence part because of the nature of the society that I've grown up in, in the patriarchal world that I've grown up in. But y'all, I was able to get us over this hump because I used those tools and I came to him and I said, listen... When it comes to just like the concept of conflict, you may feel like I didn't say something to you in a way that you liked, but even if that's true or not true, you have committed to dealing with that differently. And you're not doing what you've committed to. And so we continue to be here. Because you have made it explicitly clear that you don't want to argue, but you are not committing to utilizing the tools that you have discovered are incredibly effective in preventing that. So here we are. And it wasn't being delivered to him as an attack by any means. It was just more so just saying like, you have the things to like get what you want and you're not using them. You don't want to argue. You don't want to have conflict. You have the tools to do that and you're not using them. And so now we're in conflict and we're in an argument. And it allowed him to see himself and also to see how he wasn't empowering himself. And so I, in that situation, had to get out of my own way of like, here's how I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing. And just kind of show him like, this doesn't have to be like this. And you have that power. You're not a victim in this scenario. You are not, you don't lack agency. And I think that was like a really turning point for us too, just because it, it also let me know that I could stand and not have, and not, you know, get into the flight mode. I could stand in it 
and express myself in a way that shows up for him, but that didn't make me feel like I was then becoming submissive. Because I think that's what a lot of us ends up feeling in that argument space is the only option for then getting past an argument. We feel like the only version is someone pretending that they pretending to apologize for something they don't necessarily feel sorry for, you know, or trying to just brush past it, even though they're still upset and it's not real. And so it's going to come up again later. So it's like, how do you actually genuinely show up for each other in a way that allows you all to then be yourselves and get past things in a real way? This is, this is real work. And when people say relationships are work, like I think that's what, you know, a lot of people misnomer. They think that relationships are work is um, <laughs> we have to make time to go on date nights. And that's not what it is. And it really is. We have to make time to learn techniques that we never learned as a youth or as a young adult to now implement them as grown folk in order to make shit actually function in a healthy way. And that is showing up. So when we talk about uh, when we talk about the script, the script. I talked about the dialectical behavior therapy skills workbook. So basically this is a workbook that I found on Amazon that, you know, you can take it or leave it. Like there's, there's things in there that you're going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like this is, they're doing too much because they're trying to kind of address like a spectrum of people that maybe they have like issues on a wide spectrum. So you have to identify like what your spectrum is and then utilize their tools for that particular spectrum for like where you land on that particular spectrum. But ultimately I think when, when you say like the dialectical behavioral therapy workbook, like that makes people think it's going to be some very heady, intense, like psycho um, analytical workbook. And it's actually not, it's very, very user friendly and it's very practical and it's very like easy going, if I could say. Like you don't feel like you are doing this like deep, intense work that is gonna um shake you to your core. I feel like more so what you're doing is you are identifying and uncovering stuff that is going to more so solidify your core and that is also like opening your eyes to things that you just like didn't even know that you had access to that enhance your core. It's truly cool. Like it really is like, and that's just like me saying, as far as I got into it, he got farther along into it and has definitely made so much use of it in like various parts of his life, just as a person. And the thing I think is really cool about it was that ultimately for men, I think men in particular uh, learn about things in a different, just the way that the society has set up for men to learn, they typically are presented things in a very like manual fashion. Things are presented in very like orderly ways um, and they're expected to move within those confines. And I don't know if that's like truly applied to like sex as males, just like the way the male brain works, but in the convergence of male and men as gender, like that's been a consistent thing. So like my partner, like he does really well with manuals. Like he reads manuals. Like when he buys a new piece of equipment, that nigga's going to read the fucking manual. I've never read a manual in my entire life. I'll read instructions on how to assemble something, but I'm not reading a manual. This man reads a whole manual. So this is essentially a manual on feelings. 
And it doesn't make them feel, to my knowledge, it, 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 I, I don't feel like he has felt that this in any way like emasculated him by any means. If anything, it empowered him. And the way that it's presented is in a way that can be received that isn't um, that isn't like diminishing. You feel me? So I have shared this workbook with so many of my homegirls to share with their dudes because it's also, I feel like, a thing that they, that they can do for themselves that doesn't have to include you. And um, don't say I never said you nothing. Don't say I never told you nothing. Another thing is this book, Attached. Now, I know a lot of people have heard of Attached. Attached is, are you anxious, avoidant, or secure? How the science of adult attachment can help you find and keep love. And basically, it helps you to understand, like, what type of bond you create with people and how you deal with trauma and how you deal with crisis, et cetera. And once you can identify that, then you can work on the ways in which the particular way that you are, react holds you back. So many people are afraid to identify that. So many people are afraid to feel that, you know? And this is a book that I know many people have given to their partners uh, that, you know, most times is given on some like, you know what? Since you don't know how to love, you need to read this because you in the way of your own happiness. Maybe not the best, like delivery. <laughs> Maybe not the best delivery tactic, but nonetheless, these are two books that if you're talking to somebody who is even remotely interested in going to a higher vibration within themselves, within their spirit, within their spiritual base, within their mental and emotional base, put them in space, put these in their space. And you know what? It's also good for you too, because ultimately... When you are able to identify this within yourself, you're also then able to identify it with others and you can steer clear of the folks who ain't ready to identify it for themselves. Ooh, child, save yourself some time because there's nothing like wasting time trying to show up for somebody that doesn't even know how to show up for themselves. I remember I had an ex who when we were together, I remember we were walking down the street, we were walking down Broadway in Harlem, Broadway and 151st Street. And he was like, yeah, I don't love myself. Red flags, red flags. And I was like, well, if you don't love yourself, how can you love me? There was no answer. <laughs> we just kept walking. <laughs> oh, child. Mm, mm, mm. But the whole, part, the whole point of all of this is that when it comes to showing up for your partner, a lot of it is going to be work that you've done on yourself. And then when you've done that work on yourself, what happens is you get confidence. And the confidence that you get is not arrogance. It's confidence and it's security. And so in the security of you, it allows you to show up for somebody else in a whole different way because you don't feel so precarious in your own sturdiness. It allows you to understand how things are going to affect you in a clearer way so that you don't feel like a wave could just come over you and knock you down. And I think the other thing too, is that it just gives you when you really are, have done that work on yourself, it just gives you the capabilities to be able to see things 
that sometimes other people just can't see, not because they haven't done the work, but because they might be cloudy at that point. They might be in crisis. You know, showing up is so simple oftentimes. Like a lot of people, like when we think about it, like we aggrandize it to a point where it's like, well, I don't know if I can do that, but it can be just so simple. Sometimes showing up is silence, depending on what that person wants and needs. I mean, I just, I remember having a friend who I was, I was going through a very depressive time and she came to my house and I was like, I don't want to talk. I literally like, I, I can't talk. And I just wanted her to sit with me and watch something. Like, I don't mean sit in silence in some weird brooding way. Like, I just wanted to watch something like with the presence of another person. And she, that wasn't good enough for her. And so she started talking and inevitably she said some wild shit that actually fucked with me even more. And, you know, it just wasn't a healthy exchange. It wasn't a healthy time. And she wasn't listening to me. You got to listen to people. And you also got to advocate for yourself. I have had to say, I need you as a partner to show up for me in an immediate way when it comes to a verbal response. I need a verbal response immediately. I can't tell you that something is going on with me and then have silence. It, it triggers me. It makes me feel like you're not listening. And even if you're like, but you know me and you know I'm not, not dismissing you, it's still like such, it's still such a basic thing to simply just verbalize, like, I hear you. What can we do now? What do you want to do? How do you feel? Like, and and sometimes I feel like you got to like literally get in the weeds and like talk through what is the, what is the language? Cause you may not have it, but it's the things that we do to try to just be more in touch with our humanity than we are. Because I think so much of us take for granted that we really, we don't got this figured out. We don't got the answers. Showing up means presence. Presence. It means presence in a present way. It means being conscious of our emotions versus being run by them. A podcast, <clears throat> a podcast network.